When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big Money CJ, were you awake or asleep when it was announced that uh, Jason Robertson and the Dallas Stars came together? on a four-year contract extension. Asleep, my man. That, that was like 12.30 at night. I think, I don't know. Maybe you were up. I don't know. I don't really know your sleep schedule like that. I am trending way more to going to bed early these days. That's true. Um, That's true. Especially, you know, when I was living the road life and going to lots of games all over the place, I, I felt like I never slept and was up late a lot because most of the games are played at night. Uh, but... You know, I don't have quite that aggressive schedule. So I like, honestly, if I can get to bed by like 930, that's that's a good night for me. So I'm uh, you know, I'm a little older, as you know, we've, we've touched on it in this podcast. I'm not going to go down that road, but I love how you say like the road life as if you were like on some like big band going touring through like parts of the states, just in a big 18 wheeler, just like all these massive like vans warp tours like that's how i'm picturing it in my mind when you say road life like you were a part of like a very successful early 2000s band yeah it wasn't quite that glamorous but it was probably 10 years of at least 100 days or more on the road a year so it was it was a long stretch of time with a lot of road trips and and you know i I had a few years there where i went to every single leafs game in a season um and so you're not flying on a private plane. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a rat race, man. It's tough. And I have a lot of respect, you know, a lot of our colleagues around the league do it. And, and having done it, I have the utmost respect because I know how hard it is to be producing work every day, traveling that much, you know, trying to keep your life somewhat together, your personal life. I mean, like it's, it's, it's a strain and um, yeah, kudos. I, I, but it's not for me anymore. So my, my point is now I like to be like at home in bed, living a quiet life, missing the Jason Robertson signings in, in the middle of the night. Well, so when I mentioned it, I don't know if you did any quick research before we started, but just any quick thoughts on the fact that J-Rob locked down for the next little while. And if I'm not mistaken, I think at the end of that contract, he would still be an RFA. Yeah, it's sort of a unique contract. Uh, what I would say a rare four-year bridge contract. Uh, that's because he only had two accrued seasons uh, in, in his entry-level deal. So you have to get seven to become an unrestricted free agent. So they were able to do a four-year second contract and still leave one year where he's a restricted free agent. You know, I think what stands out to me is, you know, it's my understanding the player wasn't all that keen on a bridge deal at, at times during the negotiations. And, you know, that's the push and pull that happens. And this came together pretty quickly. I checked in uh, on, on this Thursday morning and didn't sound like anything was close. And then, of course, by Thursday night, uh, they got a deal done, but you know, I think that's logical. The, the season starts in, in less than a week. Uh, it doesn't benefit either Jason Robertson or the stars to have him miss time into the season. You know, we'll see, you know, 
how you know how he'll be affected if at all by missing training camp essentially i mean he'll probably get in for a couple skates but won't have had the same time as teammates did but you know i think it's it's a good deal for him a qualifying offer in that that final year is 9.3 million so he's more or less uh, i mean i guess the team could walk away from him and he'd become a free agent but he's more or less guaranteed 9.3 million in the fifth year of this contract which of course isn't agreed to just yet but you know i given the season he had last year very few players have been as productive really in recent times on their entry level deals. This is a, this is a big score for him. And and he was a second round pick, right? I mean, this is, this is not, you're, you're not surprised necessarily when someone like Austin Matthews or, or Connor McDavid guys drafted right at the top of the draft, we expect them to pop and sign big second deals, but this is uh this just shows you how much he outperformed what people saw for him a few years ago when, when he fell into the second round of the draft. Last thing before we bring on David Bastel for, you can bet that and, Obviously, we're going to discuss more topics such as uh, the latest involving Hockey Canada. Uh, but this next question involves another segment that we're supposed to do today. Um, so how does the Jason Robertson signing affect the big question you might have for the Dallas Stars as part of our one big question for each NHL team? Well, I actually, because I, I did some, did a little research, which I can't say I do a lot for this pod, but the big question I had to think about each team um, I, I was going to go, I was going to pivot in a totally different direction than Robertson. Cause I figured we, we'd discuss him. So I was going to take us at a Jake Ottinger, uh, related query for the burning question for the stars. I wonder, you know, I wonder if he can become a, a Vesna trophy, you know, is, is he in the mix for that? Um, and I, I do think that'll obviously go a long way to the kind of season they have in Dallas, you know, Ottinger had a playoff series for the ages against Calgary in, in the spring. Um, you know, obviously to do that over two weeks and seven games, you can get hot in that moment and be at your best. But I just wonder the confidence from that, you know, even just now having some NHL experience under his belt, he got a new contract this off season. Um, you know, if he, if he becomes a sort of Vesna style, you know, gets up in there into that, that territory. I mean, I think Dallas could be, you know, one of the sleeper teams in the league. So I, I was pivoting in a completely different direction just because I didn't want to double up, but you know, had we done this on a day Robertson hadn't signed, I mean, can he repeat a 40 goal season? You know, I think that's pretty important for that team too, because, you know, Dallas just hasn't scored enough, quite frankly, to, to, to get over the hump. I mean, look, this team was in, you know, played right through the NHL bubble, uh, surprisingly. And and so they, they've, they've had some playoff success, but they, they've done it largely winning two, one games. And, and, you know, you always just wonder if they can get a bit more offense to, to, to take the next step. And with that, it's time to bring on David Bastel from Sports Interaction. As always, for people 19 and over, we ask that you play responsibly. There will be a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of this show. It's time for You Can Bet That, people. Bring in DB. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Before we get to our one big question segment for every Western Conference team, we have to discuss the latest as it revolves around Hockey Canada. Uh, Tim Hortons and Scotiabank are continuing to pause their commitments to the Federation, uh, and other provincial federations are starting to speak out, and, and Hockey Quebec is starting to say where well, they're not transferring over fees to them. This comes on the heels of 
I should say after uh, the parliamentary hearing involving uh, board chair Andrea Skinner and uh, Michael Brindamore as well. A, a lot to take in over these last few days, Siege. Uh, a lot of, I'll just be blunt here, just Hockey Canada still seems as if it has its head in the sand. And I really think that they don't realize that these walls are starting to close in, especially with all the negative opinion that has surrounded them. And they think it's so overblown. I would love to know your thoughts on what has transpired over the last few days. Well, I'm sure they feel the walls closing in. I'm sure they realize that. It, it just appears that they don't feel it necessary to act. You know, that, that much was clear. I actually caught a lot of the, the testimony that, that um, happened on Monday. And, you know, give the politicians credit. They, the politicians from every party in the country, this is one thing that can unite them, ask some pretty tough questions. And, you know, Andrea Skinner could not have been more clear as the interim lead of the board that, that she doesn't feel a leadership change is necessary. Ultimately, I think the decision is going to be taken out of their hands. I mean, it's it's hard to come away from this and not feel that way when, when you have the corporate sponsors you mentioned. Uh, Rick West had re reported Thursday morning as well that TELUS is, you know, joining Scotiabank and, and Tim Hortons in, in dropping sponsorship or, or not renewing sponsorship for this season of, of Hockey Canada's men's programs. Um, you know, when you have organizations like Hockey Quebec, uh, I know the Ontario Federation is is asking, you know, made a request to, to have fees withheld. You know, at some point, Hockey Canada is going to be feeling the the financial squeeze. And I think ultimately just the political pressure will mount on them. Um, you know, it sounds like Bob Nicholson, the former head of Hockey Canada, will, will be next up at, at one of these parliamentary sessions. It could even be as soon as next week. So, you know, it's it's not it's not going away. And and pretty clearly people are upset and I, they should be. I mean, I, I almost feel like you're beating it. A, the, the same drum over and over again like nothing has changed in terms of our stance on this and my view of it but nothing has changed at the top of hockey canada and i just i don't see how the organization can't undergo serious changes um you know i don't know what that looks like but but the the, the faith in the leadership of the organization is is shaken here and um, you know, this is an organization, remember, that that collects fees from basically every minor hockey player in the country. Uh, it gets government funding, gets grants. I mean, this this is it's a bit of a public trust in a sense. And so, you know, you, you, we've had even the prime minister a couple of times talk about the lack of trust in Hockey Canada. I, I just don't I don't know where it goes next. Like, I, I don't have the crystal ball and tell you exactly how this unravels. But it's I do think it's unraveling before our eyes. I mean, even Andrea Skinner. You know, she was asked directly, her 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 tenure is up in, in three or four weeks time. Well, are you going to stay on? And she didn't commit to yes. I mean, maybe maybe people on the board just stepped down at a certain point and, and you know, they're they're almost forced with no, no choice. But, um, you know, the one thing I'll say is is because there's some rhetoric on this. There's no doubt in my mind hockey will continue on in Canada with or without Hockey Canada in its current form. And, you know, I, I just I don't see this. I don't see this going away there. There has to be change at the top of that organization maybe the the whole organization has to be changed um and i i think that that they're going to be forced into that change you know through these federations through more pressure from sponsors and ultimately they're just going to have you know i know they've got a lot of money saved up but they, 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 i just think they're going to be left with no choice uh by the way for people who listen or are watching this particular episode wouldn't surprise me if by then, if more sponsors uh, decide to withhold their commitments, just as we were discussing this, I came across uh, this tweet from Rick Westhead, which he sent a couple of hours ago, 
uh, Talus, uh, the big telecommunications company, uh, will not sponsor Hockey Canada's men's, men's programs for the upcoming year, including the World Juniors. Uh, Talus told Rick Westhead from TSN, they, Talus is deeply disheartened by the lack of action and commitment from Hockey Canada to drive necessary cultural change. So Scotiabank, Tim Hortons, Telus. Wouldn't surprise me if we got more statements uh, from other companies over the next little while. And that's well, what I mean pressure. by the walls closing in. Yes. There's pressure, man. Like if you're one of the companies that isn't making those statements and you have an affiliation, then, you, you know, you, there's danger in being branded as, as not taking that stance. I mean, this is how it happens. Right. And, th- and that's why I think the Quebec Federation's decision is significant, too, because there's now pressure on every other federation in the country. Our colleagues have are reaching out to those federations and now they're they're having to to make decisions like this. So this is how it happens. If I mean, because it's not clearly going to happen willingly. I mean, there's been more than enough time here for there to be to be more willing change um, inside the organization, and so I think it's going to be forced on them. I know a lot of people have focused on. Uh, I think it's the quote from Andrew Skinner about uh, where she's asking if the lights will still be on in arenas across the country, with in regards to what's going on. A lot of people are focusing on that particular quote. I can't help but think of her opening statement in which, uh, and I'm paraphrasing off a tweet from Katie Strang here, in that the fact that people are focusing on the behavior and toxicity in hockey and hockey culture, and she finds that to be counterproductive and no segment of society is immune, that bugs me. Like, that's something I expect from some random dude on Twitter who doesn't know better to say like, oh, well, why are you saying hockey culture sucks? Every part of society sucks. We have all these problems to deal with. I think it doesn't get more tone deaf than Hockey Canada showing itself up like this in front of everyone saying, why are you blaming us? Every other part of society is uh, should be worthy of scrutiny. They're not on trial right now. Hockey Canada is. Fair, but look, it just lacks the accountability they've lacked from start to finish, right? I mean, yes, it's hard to even like rank, like what is the worst statement? I mean, they, they all add up to the same thing. You know, at the end of the day, an incident happened. The governing organization of the sport in the country, the country arguably where hockey matters more than anywhere else in the world. So a pretty significant sports organization decide to use money taken in part from child's fees to play the sport to pay off someone who'd been sexually abused, didn't bother, it doesn't sound like, to figure out who, you know, basically to cover up the abuse. And they think that's fine. Like, that's, it's, the whole thing from the beginning, it just lacked, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it, it really, we can we can go at this a hundred different ways, but you just get back to the feeling that it, it's rotten, that there there's something about, Maybe maybe we're guilty of it, too. Maybe the sports put on such a pedestal that this has been allowed to happen in a sense that it some is. of these critical questions weren't asked along the way. You know, I've covered a number of Hockey Canada events. Um, you know, maybe in some ways we, we all played a part in enabling it. Um, you know, not that I'd heard anything about this abuse or anything like that. Don't get me wrong there. But I just mean that, that we elevated the sport towards something like this could happen. But like. At the end of the day, there's just been a clear lack of accountability. It's a, it's a really important organization in a country where so many kids play the sport, where we celebrate the sport. And, you know, I just, I, again, I don't see a way out of this without significant 
real change. And and every time there's two more hours in front of the parliamentary committee and you see these questions and you see that sort of the lack of standing up and, and taking that accountability, I think it just becomes more clear that that change has to come quickly. And that's why you see, you know, the series of tweets about um, the, the, you know, the sponsors pulling money and the federations making the decisions they do. And so, you know, I think it'll continue. I don't, I don't know what is scheduled for Bob Nicholson. I, I saw uh, October 10th as a possible date. He might speak before the committee. So if that, you know, we're, we're going to be back on this next week if that happens. I believe we will. I'm also curious as to when the NHL's investigation on this whole ordeal will come to an end. It seems as if it's pretty close to ending. I don't know if you have any insight on that before we wrap up this part of our show. No, I know that all the players have spoken to the league, but I'm not sure. What, I think I think the league is probably waiting to see what the, the London police are going to do, too. So, you know, there's there's a lot of different angles on this one and, uh, you know, it's still playing out. Okay. We will continue to discuss this story as more details come out. And now it's time for a bit of a hard pivot to our one big question segment, which we started to do on Monday with Eastern Conference teams. But now we are going to deal with teams in the Western Conference. We went through it division by division when we last did it. So we're going to continue it uh, for today. We'll start off with the Central Division teams and then go into the Pacific. Does that sound okay? I love that. Let's start off with the Colorado Avalanche. Well, the obvious question here is, can they do it again? But the one that that's on my mind is, you know, what can Kale McCarr do for an encore? Because, yeah, I think like it's good before we get into the next season to actually just step back and look at what he did last year. I mean, we're talking about a 23 year old guy who, in my eyes, honestly, would be in the Hockey Hall of Fame now based on that one season. And, and you know, I, I don't get to select players for that. Obviously, some of those decisions are made for longevity. But, you know, dude had won the Norris Trophy, won the Conn Smythe Trophy. He had what? I think 87 points in the regular season and then 29 more in the playoffs. Was a key cog, obviously, in, in the Avs winning their Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, and he's only 23. Like, I think it's reasonable at least the 25, maybe 26. You you expect players to, to get better. If, if you look over time, there's... There's sort of like a weird unofficial barrier. Like most players, whether it's like Gretzky, Bossy, you go through, have their best season by about age 26 in terms of just pure goals and points. Um, you know, it's not, again, it's, it's not like there's something in the universe that says you can't do it at 27. I know Nazem Kadri just had his best year, in, in, you know, in terms of those, those sort of metrics in his, his early 30s. But, you know, generally speaking, that's the peak of the player. And there's still more peak here for Kale McCarr. So I, I think... I think he's got a chance to win the Hart Trophy this year. Um, you know, obviously he's got a lot of hype around him given given what he accomplished last year. And so my big question for the Avalanche is just like, what more can you do? Can he can he chase 100 points? Like, can can he rewrite and do things that we haven't expected of a defenseman maybe since Bobby Orr? I mean that that to me seems like a, it's a it's an unfair thing to put into the universe, but it seems like a fair question given what he did last season. How about the Minnesota Wild? Well. I can't miss Dollar Bill Kirill. You know, we're we're we are openly fans of Dollar Bill Kirill on this podcast, uh, without shame. And so, my question for him is: Can he get fifty goals? Can he get hundred points um, again? In terms of the points, and you know, it's funny we talk with the Jason Robertson contract. Remember, last season started with Dollar Bill Kirill getting uh, Kirill Kaprizov. I should be clear if for anyone that isn't following along with the nicknames. But he signed a, a sort of a strange deal, a five-year deal before last season, $9 million. There wasn't really a lot of comparables. And 
you know, it was sort of maybe a semi-controversial contract at the time. Well, by the time the season ended, it was not controversial. Like the guy was, is underpaid. Like that's a great deal for the Minnesota wild. Um, and you know, the first real true superstar in my eyes has played for that franchise. And, you know, he's another one. Like I, I think he could be, you know, if he hit pops again, like Hart trophy is not beyond question. You know, he doesn't play with some of the, the players on his line, you know, with the, the sort of pedigree of players that other stars do in the league. You know, it's, it's Ryan Hartman and Matt Zuccarello with, with respect to those guys, you know, th- they weren't ever playing with someone having a hundred point season before. I mean, it's, it's, it's no secret who the driver of the line is. So, you know, I, my big question for the wild, you know, look, they have what 12.7 million, I believe in dead cap space. It's going to be a tough year to build around the core of this team just because they, they don't have as much money to spend, but you know, he's, he's worth the price of admission. And, and I almost think single-handedly could take the team to, to new heights. Uh, because he's that good. All right, let's go to the St. Louis Blues. I'm wondering in St. Louis, is it the end of the cup era? Like the, the 2019 team, are we are we watching kind of the 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 curtain draw on that? You've got Ryan O'Reilly, their captain in a you know pending unrestricted free agent. Vladimir Tarasenko uh is the same. You know, Doug Armstrong's been a GM, I think to his credit over the years. It's made hard decisions with his players. You know, he let Alex Petrangelo walk after winning that Stanley cup. Um, and was the captain of the team at the time, you know, even going back to David Backus, who was a heart and soul member of the team for years, you know, didn't give him a big deal that, that didn't age well to ultimately the one that Backus signed, he, you know, he allowed that player to go to free agency. And so, you know, I, I don't know the answer yet, but I, I do think the question is, is asking, this is sort of maybe a little bit last dancey feel for, for the guys that, that won the cup in 2019. Uh, with the Blues, at least the key players on that team. You know, they've signed Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo over the summer to long, big deals. You know, you're starting to see the next wave come in. And so, you know, that, that's that's sort of what I'm wondering. Is this is this the end um, for that group? Can they can they turn it over? Can they, you know, not fall back? Because they've, they've been pretty consistently, um, you know, one of the better teams in the Central Division for years now. And uh, I think we're seeing another transition year uh, go down in St. Louis. Don't forget about uh, Ryan O'Reilly's contract status as well. Absolutely, man. Might walk out the door at the end. That's very true. Since we already dealt with the Dallas Stars, we can skip over to the Nashville Predators. I'm wondering if anyone's going to leave Bridgestone Arena this year without ice bags. Because to me, the Predators are playing kind of an old school kind of hockey. And they added Ryan McDonough, who's you know another defenseman that is going to make you, you feel it. And and. You know, they had Tyler J- or Tanner Janot, rather, uh, Mark mm-hmm. Borowitzki, two of the top three penalized players last season. Like, I, I see the Predators a bit of a throwback, uh, rough and, and r- rumbly kind of team. And so I'm wondering if anyone's going to come and play them and feel good afterwards. Cause I, I think that, that, that it's just interesting that they're going a little bit against the grain in, in that way. I think in the way they defend and, and, you know, how physical they are. And, you know, there's, there's sort of a, an interesting team. Like they, they have some offense, um, you know, Philip Forsberg, you know, it was good to get him resigned. If, I'm not sure how they would have replaced his, his production. If he walked out the door, you know, UC Saros is one of the better goaltenders in the league. You know, I, I think that they can be a little bit of a sleeper team uh, because I don't see a lot of buzz about them nationally. And, you know, they're doing it a different way, you know, in an era where it's, it's all speed and skill They're they're, they're going a little bit old school. And so, you know, I'm curious to see how that works out. I, I think that McDonough, uh, acquisition is actually going to help them in the short term. We'll see how the how the contract ages out, 
Uh, but Tampa, you know, basically was a, a cap casualty for the Lightning because uh, there was no way for them to, to build their team this year with him. So you know, I, I think that don't sleep on the Predators. And, and definitely, if, if you like some old school hockey, I think you're going to see it played uh, in Nashville this year. UC Soros for Vezina. I'm saying it now. All right. Let's I'll put it out it. there. I'll buy what you're selling. All right. UC Soros for Vezina. Anyway, uh, the Winnipeg Jets are next. Can Rick Bonus keep this core from just fading into oblivion? And and I think there, there's a, so much riding on this season. You can only try it so many different ways, right? And 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 the the Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Nikolai Ehlers, uh, you've had Kyle Connor now in recent years. Like that that core has had a few cracks at it, and and has never quite seemed to to be able to. to there's always been something missing. I mean, certainly defensively, they've, they've not been a good team. You know, one of the hallmarks of Rick Bonus's tenure in Dallas, for example, was how well that team played. I, I don't know if he has the players to, to do it. Or, you know, I'm not sure it's just systems play that, that can solve that issue. But this, I, I think this is one season where a lot is kind of on trial. You, know, you have Pierre-Luc Dubois, for example. Um, I know you would have pronounced that a little cleaner than I did. But Pierre-Luc Dubois. There you go, my man. You know, he's his contract's up at the end of the year. He's he's you know got two seasons before he can be a free agent. If if things go sideways, perhaps he's he's dealt during this year. And so I think that it's 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 sort of a one last chance with a new voice. Can can they get something out of this or are they gonna have to consider tearing parts of their their team down? You know, we've already seen a pretty bold move in stripping the captaincy from Blake Wheeler. I just think one of those things that's a symbolic move, but but would send send a little bit of a ripple through the dressing room about things changing. And, and I actually think the jets for me, they're one of the intriguing teams. Like, I, I don't know how it's going to go, uh, but you know, there's, there's a world look, they're, they're leaning more on Ehlers. For example, he's, he's getting power play one time he's on their top line. I think there's a world where it works, but uh, if it doesn't, uh, I think you could see some change there. We move on to Chicago. I got to go with the obvious one sometimes. I mean, is, is Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves going to be still in Chicago at the end of the season? Uh, if not, that's going to be a pretty compelling storyline throughout the year for a team that really doesn't have a whole lot of other storylines. Uh, you know, we've already seen Kyle Davidson, the, the general manager in Chicago, be pretty aggressive in, in dealing away players, whether it's it's Kirby Doc, uh, you know, Hagel last year during the season, obviously Alex Debrinkit traded to Ottawa at the draft. I mean, he's already pulled apart anything they can sell off. I, I would think that that would still continue a little, little more delicate when you're talking about franchise icons like, like Kane and Taves. But, um, you know, I think that's going to be a dominant storyline in Chicago and really around the league. I mean, what becomes of Kane in particular, just because he's still so productive, I think it will be a fascinating discussion. I'm sure in a perfect world, those players would probably like to finish their entire careers in Chicago, still have a competitive team around them, but it's not a perfect world. And the, and, Chicago has not been a competitive organization for a long, long time now. It's been a long time between playoff games and what is still a short career for these players. And so, you know, how that, how that plays out, I think will be fascinating to watch. And, and with Kane in particular, if he's, if he's available, if he's willing to go to contending teams, at the deadline, I, I think you're going to see a pretty big haul go back to Chicago in return. If, if that deal ever came through. Let's talk about Arizona and the Coyotes. Will Arizona win more games in Chicago? That's my question because the suck hard for Bedard sweepstakes is really happening most aggressively in the central division, right? I mean, those, 
those two teams, Chicago and Arizona, I would expect will be at the bottom of the league. They're both teams. Actually, the Coyotes in particular have amassed a crazy amount of draft picks, you know, a little bit like Montreal started to do. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's clear what their, their intent is, is they're, they're rebuilding through the draft. They're, they're retooling their systems. And, and we just happen to have at least one generational player in Connor Bedard uh, in the 2023 draft. Some think there could be two um, players at the top of the draft that, that could change a franchise. And so my question for Arizona, I guess, is how, how, do, how does it work at a 5,000-seat building? But that'll be answered pretty quickly. I think the novelty of that will pass at a certain point. But then ultimately, are they going to win many games? And, and how aggressively did, did both they and Chicago you know, try to pull it apart? And, and, and you know, I'm not going to say anyone tanks, but you know, there's a strategic element to how you build your team to perform. And, and what, what, how does that manifest itself throughout this year? I think that's the most interesting thing going on in Arizona. And now we go to the Pacific Division. Let's start off with the Calgary Flames. I are you? Oh, you, you pulled out a is that an arrow bar? Oh, it's a Twix. Twix, bro. Twix. <laughs> I haven't had that much Twix in my life. Twix isn't so bad. It's better than a No Henry. I know that much. Okay, we can get over that, please. Can you please answer or not answer? Just ask the question about the Calgary Flames, please. Just enjoying a snack, bro. Oh, um, my God. Get my over question, yourself. <laughs> my question for the Flames, will they get the Julian McKenzie bump? <laughs> <laughs> what Does do I, I have to do with their success? I, I recall a young reporter getting to cover some Montreal Canadiens playoffs two years ago, and all of a sudden that team goes Cinderella run to the Stanley Cup final. Um. There's evidence. I'm just saying there's evidence that when you cover a team that something special goes on. So I'm just I'm wondering if the, I'm wondering if if the Flames are getting the the McKenzie bump. That's that's the burning question. I think that's what everyone out there is wondering, my friend. So basically, uh if you're a Calgary Flames fan, expect them to go on a magical journey run and then the very next year endure the worst season ever. <laughs> Don't forget that. Hey, we're dealing we're dealing with small sample sizes here, but I'm just saying. Clearly, just saying, you're going to show up in town, and something special is going to happen. So that's 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 my question for the Flames. Obviously, huge off season. You know, I think I, let's not get too cute with this one. But did does this experiment work, or did Brad Tree Living's pivot pay off? Does it pay off? And we won't get the answer till April, May, and maybe June. Um, but I, I think it'll be a, a cool season to to watch happen and i'm glad you're there documenting it oh man I, I i there's a lot of fun to come this season my man and i can't wait to document it all uh what about the other team in alberta a couple hours north from calgary uh the edmonton oilers i mean mcdavid we know what we're gonna get from Connor mcdavid leon dry so i mean these guys have done it year after year after year after year after year what i'm wondering is does the jack campbell experiment you know, yield dividends for the, the Oilers. And, and, you know, there's been so much talk on the Leafs end of the goaltending, you know, decisions they made in the offseason, including letting Jack Campbell walk the free agency. Well, a five-year, $25 million deal is, is security, um, you know, maybe a little bit of pressure that, that Jack Campbell's never had to deal with. You know, I, I think it's, it's earned that team, a team would have that kind of faith in him, given, you know, what he's done with his career first in LA and then during the stop in Toronto. But, you know, this is a team with cup aspirations that's made him their number one man. 
does not have a lot of cap flexibility. Like if it doesn't work at any position that, you know, it's going to be tough for them to add much salary during the year. They have Stuart Skinner behind him, you know, who's, who's younger, a little less proven. I know that there are people who are high on him, but he's, he hasn't carried the mail for any meaningful amount of time in the NHL. And so, you know, I, I think that there's a lot hinging on Jack Campbell's performance and, and that's, that to me is the big question over the Oilers. I, I liked their team. I think that they they rightly got people excited last last spring, but uh, you know there's there's a lot of pressure on the guy making paid to make saves now. All right, let's move on to the Los Angeles Kings. I I'm wondering are the Kings contenders yet? And I realize it might be a little premature to ask that question, but I didn't see a lot of people predicting a 99 point season for them last year, and they gave Edmonton all they could handle in the first round. They've got a great young group of players, you know, Sean Dursey, Arthur Kaliev, Quinton Byfield. Um, you know, they, they brought in Kevin Fiala, who had a great last season in, in Minnesota, 80-plus point player. I don't know. I think they got the makings of a team that that could really pop even more than they have in the past. And, and you know, I don't know that it's – again, it's probably a little soon to call them contenders, but I, I think that we're watching them grow and and – climb the ladder in terms of respect and where they're at in the league. And so my, my question is, are they there yet? Are they ready to take another step or, or, you know, it doesn't always, you know, success in this league isn't always linear. You don't, it's not like you just grow your point total each year and then you win a cup. I mean, sometimes you got to go through some things. So, you know, that, that is what is most in my mind, but I, I think the Kings are a team that best not be sleeping on them. Like I, I could, I could concoct a world where they, they surprise everyone and win the Pacific division, for example. Like I, I, I don't think that's beyond I'm, – I'm not predicting that, but I don't think it's beyond possible. And so, you know, you're going to see a fair bit of them through Calgary there, Julian, but I, I think they're they're a team to watch around the league this season. Another team I'm also looking forward to, to, to watching as they are in the same division as the Calgary Flames, Vegas. Yeah, and the burning question in Vegas is, will Phil Kessel score more than 16 and a half goals? <laughs> and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why this is a burning question. You might remember that that was the subject of a You Can Bet That segment we had with David Bastel on a previous show. It was relayed to me through back channels that Phil Kessel became aware of this. This is insane. And he has instructed those that were around him to, to hammer the over. So Phil Kessel's betting on himself. And, you know, to, to, to be more serious about this, so I, I don't really blame him. Like, he's playing right now with Jack Eichel and Riley Smith on their top line. So it appears to me that he's going to get opportunity there. I think Vegas needs him. He, he's coming off a season, I think his, his shooting percentage is about 4.5% last year. I mean, career low shooting percentage on a, a tough, terrible team in the Coyotes. Like, if you're predicting, even despite his age, someone to, to have a bounce back, I, I think I think Kessel can do it. I mean, all the guys done his whole life is score. So the burning question is, can he get the 17 goals? We are going to track it this year, Julian. The, the, I agree. The, the, yes. Because Phil Kessel has instructed everyone to hammer the over. So I, I see a big bounce back season for Phil. And uh, I don't really know what to make of Vegas. Just the, the goaltending situation is unclear. You know, last year was uncharacteristic for them. They still got a, a lot of great players, but it, 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 nothing feels settled in Vegas, right? But, you know, the the one thing... I'll be watching is how many goals that uh, Phil Potts. I'm I'm just I, I I'm still laughing at that story. Uh, the fact that that info got relayed. Uh, we should have told David Bastel this. Uh, but yeah, that info got relayed to Phil Castle. And he's like, "Yeah, man, we're getting the over this year." And, and you're <laughs> right. Hey, it's a guy who he's able to score goals. I mean, last year 
in the grand scheme of things, is really an aberration at eight goals. But uh, maybe he gets 16, 17 this year. Well, I just think it's easy to look at his age and be like, okay, the decline started like he's done. Like, like that, that's probably what some people out there are thinking. But I, I, that is overlooking just how uniquely talented this guy is. I mean, he's about to, he's within reach of playing a thousand straight games without missing one. I mean, that, that again involves some luck, but I mean, he's, he is a freakish athlete despite, you know, a lot of the comments over the years about his appearance, his weight, this or that, his, his eating habits, you know, those types of things. Says a guy eating at Twix at, 9 30 in the morning i'm just saying that like he's he's a unique athlete and he's a great shooter great goal scorer and i, th- I think in the right opportunity the right team which i believe he's found I, I like that and plus he's got this number in his mind now we've inadvertently provided motivation for for phil so i love that i don't think he listens but he was told about the 16 and a half by someone else by the way uh i believe phil castle's birthday was this week and the photo oh, yeah. started circulating. Yeah, October 2nd. Uh, and a photo started circulating online of him celebrating uh, his birthday. And I believe there was a hot dog on his birthday cake. I will find this photo for you. Uh, well, he, it's yes. I love that he leaned into that joke too, right? Remember he had the hot dogs in the Stanley Cup on his day, one of the days he had with the cup. I mean, I remember. You know, it's funny. I, I, I've covered Phil early in his career and we had some ups and downs. Like he was, he could be a tough guy to, to crack. Um, but I got a lot of respect for him, honestly. Like I think he's a, he's a funny guy. He's, he's a unique character in terms of players I've covered in this league. All right, let's get to the rest of these uh, Pacific division teams. I just sent you that photo uh, of Phil Kessel, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Sorry, just eating some Twix. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best thing about Twix is there's two of them, right? Like you finish yes. one and there's still, there's another one. Like that's oh. that's a genius design. Um, we gotta we gotta figure out something with eating food on this podcast. This, we can't make this a constant thing. It's Halloween, bud. Just yeah, lean into true. it. Yeah, it's true. All right, the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> All right, I should get more professional. Um, yes, <laughs> Vancouver, man. I don't know what like the Canucks puzzle me. And and Canucks Twitter is an amazing place to follow. Like it's, it, it might be hard. I think to play in that market, like it's probably like intense, but to follow it from afar, like I find it endlessly entertaining. Uh, there's a lot of characters out there. So my question is Bo Horvat. This is your captain. You signed JT Mill over the summer. Is Bo Horvat going to finish the season as a Canucks captain? I mean, I, I don't project necessarily that they're going to trade him, but how does that, situation play out you know the Canucks are at a bit of a crossroads I would say you, you, you've got to the point where you have a core of players you you like or love you know you're paying pretty big money uh, to Elias Pettersson to Quinn Hughes you know JT Miller's extension is for a pretty big dough you know you, you've still got Brock Besser there you know you, you've committed a lot to this group and and you know I think you have to see some results and so um, you know, I, I, I think the Horvat situation for me will kind of, it'll be a tell about how management and ownership feels about the direction of the team. Remember there's, there's a new GM there. I mean, Patrick Alvin is only not even a full year on the job and it usually takes about a year or two before a, a GM is able to put a stamp on an organization. So I think the Horvat decision will tell us what the newer management thinks of the core they kind of inherited from the previous regime to some degree. And 
you know, I, th- I think if, if maybe he's moved on from, or they, they let him walk to free agency, it's the sign of some bigger changes there. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting season. I'll be watching Canucks Twitter, Thomas Drance, you do your thing, brother. Um, I'm, I'm, I love the Canucks, but I, I really don't fully know what to make of them as we enter the season. Like, I don't know if they're going to be good. It's, it's a, it's a tough call. I think the blue line gives me some pause, but you know, they've, they've got stars throughout their lineup and they got a pretty darn good goaltender in Thatcher Demko. So that might be enough to, to get them back to the playoffs. And all that assessment, by the way, that's on the ice for the Vancouver Cooks. We don't need to go there, but there is a lot of stuff starting to surface off the ice, too. Uh, like I said, we don't need to go there. But the Vancouver Canucks look as if they're going to be a very interesting franchise over the next few months. Anyway, uh, the San Jose Sharks are next. <laughs> I didn't know how far you're going to walk this into the ditch. No, I did not want to walk into that too much at all. I just wanted to, you know, make everyone aware that we know stuff is going on over there. But uh, we don't need to go in on that. We only have so much time. But yeah, San Jose is next. Are the Sharks going to score any goals this year? They were brutal offensively last year. They're kind of a forgotten team where they're at. But again, new GM and Mike Greer would imagine that you're going to see more changes. They traded Brent Burns away in the offseason. You know, some of the pillars of that team, I think, will 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 turn over and they're they're in a transition point. But I just I just wonder if they can score any goals. I mean, it's it's tough to win without it. I, I'd love to see a career renaissance for Eric Carlson. Like Eric Carlson in his prime was one of my favorite players to to watch. Um, I'd love to see a career renaissance. I don't know if it's in there for him. He's just had a lot of injuries and, and getting on the wrong side of 30. It's hard to, to get it back, but, um, yeah, I think, I think the sharks were the team that's starting the year will look different from the team that ends the year. And, um, I, I don't know that they have enough to, to really get back into a playoff picture. I think that you're looking at a couple seasons for them before they're back to being as relevant as they were for, let's face it, 15 or 20 years. They were one of the best teams in the league and just never quite got over the hump. All right, let's go to the final California team, Anaheim. Who will John Klingberg be playing for after March 3rd? That's my burning question for the Ducks because it's such an interesting free agent signing for Anaheim. They, you know, this is a player that one of the better puck moving offensive defensemen of his generation, still just 30 years old. You know, not not totally, we're not talking about a guy who's washed, I don't believe. You know, we've seen some dip in his production, but he still should be a coveted player. And he had to sign a one-year, $7 million deal in the offseason in Anaheim. And, and you know, I think it's a smart acquisition by the Ducks because it's pretty clear what's going on. We've got a nice spot on our team for you to play and showcase yourself. And more than likely, unless, you know, they make some magical run and are in a playoffs position and, you know, come early March, I would think he'll be one of the players we're talking about a lot leading up to the trade deadline. And, and you know, I know there was interest from a couple of the Canadian teams in John Klingberg in the off season as a free agent. I wonder maybe if he ends up on one of the teams with Stanley cup aspirations up here, uh, come the deadline and maybe it'll be somewhere else. Uh, that, that, that to me is a question, just how he performs and, and what they can get for him. And, and the other thing, when I look at the ducks, Julian, they have a ton of cap room. So, you know, they started the process of their kind of rebuild retool, whatever we want to brand it. Um, you know, last year at the deadline by trading Ricard Raquel, Hampus Lindholm away, uh, Josh Manson uh, went won a cup in Colorado. You know, I think you're going to see more guys dealt and they, and they also have an ability to take on some some money back in deals, which I think is going to be valuable because as we start the season, more than half the league is basically at the salary cap or above it in long term injured reserve. And so any of the contenders are probably going to need some some help, you know, accommodating a salary if, if they when they make their deadline moves. Last team. 
the Seattle Kraken with their uh, mascot, Bowie. I don't know why I said boy on Monday, but I think boy, I think boy is actually correct, too. Yeah, apparently we learned I learned this, too. Boy is is correct. But I think when it comes to the Kraken, I think they intended on Bowie being okay. the actual pronunciation. But boy works uh, potato, as well potato, brother, potato, potato. Ah, uh, yes, but your name is your name, right? Huberdo or Uberdo? Eh, you try. <laughs> I shouldn't make fun of someone's name, and I'm not. No, uh, no. Seattle. Can Matty Veneers create some buzz for this team? I mean, let's face it, a little bit for an expansion team, maybe because we've just seen Vegas, and Vegas had an expansion year that will never be matched, probably in any sport. Maybe, maybe it was pandemic hangover, because it's still a weird season last year in the league, but I thought the Kraken actually kind of they just weren't really that interesting for, for lack of a better term. Obviously they didn't win a whole lot. Um, you know, which that's what you expect of an expansion team. But I'm just wondering now that, that Maddie Beneers is going to be there for the full season. He, he did have a 10 game addition at the end of last year and is looking so great in preseason. He had nine points in his 10 games. I should mention too, uh, after, you know, coming over from university at the end of last year, I think that he's a player that can generate some serious buzz for the crack. And he was their first ever draft pick second overall in 2021. Um, and you know, I, I think he certainly is going to be in the conversation for the, the Calder trophy. And I think he will add some much needed, uh, sizzle, uh, to it, to the expansion team. It just had, had a tough first, first year and, and I'm betting can't wait to turn the page and now introduce some of their own prospects and, you know, made some signings in the off season too. So, um, I think, I think Seattle will be a little more relevant in the, in the second go around. Maddie Beniers, by the way, I got to watch him in a preseason game against the flames. So good. He's so good. He's so skilled. He's quick. He's a great shot. Like, he's really good. I I, I said previously that Owen Power is going to win the Calder Trophy. I changed my mind. He's going to win it. I, he's my pick now. He's too good. It's hard for defensemen to win it. There's like that I know too. I know more insider won last year, so it might seem like a tone deaf comment. But like, in, if you look over twenty years, there's just not many defensemen that have won the Calder. I think generally a higher scoring offensive player, it's easier for them to ease into the league. It's easier for them to get some headlines and to, to be shown on the, on the, the highlights and all those types of things. And, and I think Veneers is as good a pick as any, look, he's going to get ice time too. I would think in some, in some cases, rookies don't, don't get the, the full leash right when they walk in the league, but you know, I think he, he deserves it. He's going to, it's going to turn some heads this year, brother. Before we end this episode, Stick taps. We do this every Thursday. We show some love to somebody either in the NHL or just generally. CJ, do you have a stick tap you want to give out? Yeah, to Bob Tyndall. Uh, might not be a name that most hockey fans know, but he was a, a longtime amateur scout uh, for the Boston Bruins. Happened to live here in Toronto where where I'm based and, and just someone I got to know pretty well. He died this week. Um, just sending my best to, to his family. Um, you know, had a huge hand in drafting any Bruins prospect that you've heard of basically up to Patrice Bergeron. Um, but, but back at, you know, finding Andrew Craycroft in a in lower draft round, it, you know, had a huge impact on that organization. Just a, a wonderful guy, great storyteller, always a friendly face to see around the rink Had a occasion or two to have a meal or a drink with him too. And so, you know, just thinking of his family and saluting a, a life well lived and, you know, a great hockey man. My condolences. Uh, my stick tap goes to, uh, on a bit of a more lighter note, uh, the Calgary Public Library. I was there yesterday trying to get a library card, and everyone there uh, was very helpful. 
uh, as I was uh, as I was there. I even got recognized. Uh, I was like, it, I feel like you're bringing this story up to just mention that you got recognized at the library. No, I wasn't trying to do that. It's just I figured I'd give the uh, the stick tap to uh, some people who deserve it at the public library. Very nice people. Very nice building. Uh, one of the great things I'm coming to know about the great city of Calgary. Uh, but yeah, I did get recognized, but that's not why I brought it up. Now you're making me seem as if I'm just some attention-seeking person. Now, were they a CJ show fan, or do they recognize you from your work at the Athletic? Did, did they say like they um, what was the they recognized like? they recognized me from CJ show because uh, I think they said their husband watches us a lot, and he's like, oh my, and she's like, oh my god, my husband's gonna freak out. <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, it was it was funny. Like I was putting in all my information so I could get this library card. And uh, the person I was dealing with was like, are you famous? And I'm like, no. It's like, oh, no, you're you're famous. I know who you are. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know what, what I was dealing with, but uh, it was really nice to 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 have that, I guess, it was a nice little pile on the back. But also, thank you again to the uh, Calgary Public Library for making it easy for me to get a library card. It's not hard when you have a library card, CJ. Well, we love all of our listeners. I'm just glad more of you should be out there bugging Julia McKenzie in public. Just just make this man feel famous. Bug CJ2. CJ deserves all the praise he can get. I get recognized at the grocery store every time. I don't know why. Been there. Been there. I, too, have been recognized at the grocery store before. Uh, it's it's very interesting. It's the hat, I think. The hat is like a tell. Yeah. The big bear hat. That's it. Because I don't wear it around, but like grocery shopping is like, hey, I don't want to do my hair. Just throw on the hat, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. All right. Well, we got to wrap up this Thursday show. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. We'll let uh, CJ enjoy some Twix uh, for the rest of today and the rest of the weekend. Uh, happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy some time with your loved ones if you can. Uh, and also get your questions in for Ask CJ as we'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode. And we will get to all of your questions. A uh, hat tip also to uh, Nick Andrade for producing this episode, for producing most of the episodes that we do anyway. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Take care and peace. Let's go Blue Jays. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.